0: You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message.
1: Let's jump in. Well,
0: it's
2: our pleasure today. We got guest speaker here today. Guest speakers, I should say. And they're not just um, very learned and and experienced good speakers, but they're also close friends uh, and have been for a while. Uh, Jay and Julie Baumgardner. Uh, Jay has been involved in... Um, a lot of different ministries, jail ministry, men's leadership training. Um, he works for Blood Assurance here in Rome and has been here for 24 years.
1: Julie, um, for 23 years, she was with First Things First in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For 19 of those years, for 19 years, she was the president and CEO. Currently, she is senior director of WinShape Marriage and serves on the executive leadership team at WinShape. Let me tell you, all of us at WindShape are so grateful to have her. But just as important, we are so grateful to have them here at Cornerstone. Jay and Julie have one daughter. And until they moved to Rome about 15 months ago, we were her Rome parents. I was her Rome mama. I'm not sure what my title is now. But anyway, their daughter Ashley and they have a son-in-law, Keith. They live in Arkansas. And so when Julie's not at WindShape. That's okay. Come on in, guys. I mean, who am I to say the pastor and assistant pastor can't come and share the stage with us. <laughs> so anyway, when Julie is not at windshape or with Jay hanging out, she can be found probably riding on her horse. She loves her horse and I know Jay is going to tell you. I have a kind of a a name, and I won't say it's a pet name. Jay is a real dork. <laughs> And I say that with every bit of love my heart can say.
2: Let's just give a big cornerstone welcome to Jay and Julie Baumgartner.
3: We might need to explain the whole door.
4: Well, I deserve every bit of that and more. It is so true. It is so true. She even calls me that now.
3: We are so excited to be with you all this morning. Uh, We are here to share about lies people believe about marriage, and I started to cross out the uh, people and put Christians, but then I was like, you know what? It's all of us. It's all of us. So uh, I left it just as people, but we, we have been married 34 years and we are not standing up here because we have it all figured out. We are up here willing to have conversation with y'all about the marriage journey and all that god has for us the richness of it the marriage journey
4: the mystery 34 years and 1 day there you go yes. feels it's like 10 it, it feels like 10 minutes
3: underwater <laughs> he makes me say that y'all
4: yes i do <laughs> so
3: anyway we thought we would start out by just sharing with you guys a little bit about who we are and then jump into the lies that people believe Um, I grew up in a home where everything just seemed to be very perfect. In fact, it was so perfect, I didn't know it wasn't perfect. And when I turned, I was about to turn 18 and headed off to college, my father walked in the house, sat us all down, that would be my mom, my brother, who's two years older than me, who had significant special needs, 95% hearing impaired, And my brother, my sister, who was five years younger. And he said, I'm leaving. What I didn't understand about what he meant by I'm leaving was that he didn't just mean that he was leaving my mom. He meant he was leaving all of us.
4: For the rest of her life.
3: Yes. And I was a real daddy's girl. I mean, he could have said jump and I would have said how high. I loved him so much. And so... um, at that point, I already knew I was going to major in psychology because I thought I was going to help families who had children with special needs. But at that moment in my life, I really made the decision that I was going to figure out how to help people do married well. And if I helped one person for the rest of my life, I mean, I just that was my passion and is my passion and is my why. Because the pain that I experienced, I would give anything to not have others have to go through that.
4: Yeah, and I was nine years old when my parents divorced, and my father worked crazy hours. And I, I only have four memories of my mother and father ever being together. He worked like six o'clock in the evening till like three in the morning, and he would sleep till noon. Mother was a school teacher, and I just don't have any memories of that. And I never saw my father pray. Uh, I saw my father remarry when he was 58 years old, and for the first time, I saw him go to church. And I, but I never had that. And something happened at age 11 where Christ came into my life, but there was nobody in my family to disciple me, and I saw no men stand up. I had a great great uncle who was about 90 years old was the only one that I ever saw that had any glimmer of anything of their in life that said there's something spiritual in me, and God's important. Most of it was alcohol. And just really a serious situation on my mother's side of the family where I'm the first male on that side of that family where I'm not an alcoholic. And so, you know, these lips don't touch it because I'm afraid of it, but God saved me and really protected me during my youth years living with an aunt and uncle that were. And eventually there was a shooting in the house and I got to clean it up. I wasn't in high school in those days. But when I saw the ambulance up there, I said I knew something like that happened. So, as you know, when craziness is stirred up and you continue to be in it, something really, really crazy is going to happen. And, and I, and I got to see, see that firsthand in holidays, and, and here comes Julie and I, and we're going, look at what she brings to the table, and look what I bring to the table. So, two
3: children of divorce who uh, have met each other at church... And really love each other. Uh, and we're thinking, okay, we want to do this well. We love the Lord, and we want to do this well. And if you uh, look at this picture here, you can l- look at
4: those. Oh, hair. my God. <laughs> look at that hair I used yeah, to have. Yeah. I'm telling you. I was. Uh,
3: we, we said I do with the very best of intentions. Wholeheartedly saying yes. We want to love each other well. And I'm here to tell you, we didn't know much. I mean, we just didn't know a lot. And so we started asking the questions how do you, being raised in two different households, um, I had tons of structure, lots of perfectionism, and divorce. And he had
4: zero no
3: structure at
4: just the all. way I want it today. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. No, but I tell you, uh, You know, at age ten when you wouldn't when you were living in a home with the father on weekends and not see him for the whole weekend and kind of fend for yourself and go fishing at ten o'clock at night in a in a boat and I knew I could go from point A to point B, which was about a six mile length on the river, unsupervised. So that's how much I had and Julie had came with a lot of structure.
3: Needless to say, it was special as we came together. And you know, that's what we want to talk about because It it is not that we haven't faced challenges. We've had lots of challenges. And it's not that um, we had the same views on everything. It is that we have really tried to honor the Lord in everything that we're doing. And have we gotten that right all the time? No. We have not. There are no perfect marriages. Our goal (laughs) is that we're seeking to be healthy. And so... Uh, Our very first lie that we think is pretty prevalent um, for a lot of marriages is that different is deficient. You know, um, when Jay and I met, I thought, oh my gosh, what I love about this guy is he's so spontaneous and he's just so fun. He cracks jokes all the time. He's an adventure waiting to happen. (laughs) <laughs> and then we got married. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you are so spontaneous. You are so, like, all the time playing and being adventurous. And
4: you can't sure. fix stupid, but you can you can sedate him. That's what she said, I think. <laughs> you know, I, it's so true. And Julie was so organized and a great listener, really kind. But, you know, she's a lot of fun. But, gosh, she's so organized. I mean, she has everything else. She has to have this book, and she keeps fifteen books, and she keeps everything, and she stacks everything, and I don't know where anything is, but she goes right okay. to it and picks it out. Well, thank you, Lord.
3: <laughs> so I, you know, I do. I think about John ten ten a lot because it says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I think, you know, over time, you you have the best of intentions in marriage. You say, "I do," like, "Oh yes, we are wholeheartedly in," but then. The thief is over here, chattering. Look, look at him. Look at all that that he does. He's he's not a planner, and he leaves his socks, and he doesn't know how to fold. Hey, 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 hey. On and on, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Except for the rest of that verse is, but I have come, and I I have brought abundance. I want you to live out of the abundance. I love that we did communion today. Amen. He sacrificed. For us, yeah. so that we would have life in abundance, yeah. but the thief is conniving. And if we're not careful and we listen to that, what attracts you begins to attack
4: you. And I think in your we, marriage. yeah, we really right. learn to manage the evil. I mean, really, we don't live in it. I don't want to know how to see it, I don't want to be in that darkness, but I do want to know that I have authority over it, yeah. and that authority. We take, we take word, we use our word. I mean, you put on the armor of God, the one thing's left out is that javelin. I want you to throw your javelin, that's your tongue speaking into it. And I believe we have learned to do that over the years. But it wasn't at the beginning, I promise you that. Yeah. And so when we think about um, some of the scripture that we're trying to show with each point, uh, one of the things that even at my funeral, whenever that's going to be, unless the Lord comes first, We'll probably be out of 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received as a steward of the gifts that you have received for in its various forms. And when it says gifts, it's not just talking about your spiritual gifts. It's talking about the gifts that you've been given, your natural gifts. You know, the, kind of like the guy that ate the hot dog contest. He, won, he ate 69 hot dogs in 10 minutes. You know, is that, a, is that a spiritual gift? No, but it's a giftedness. God can use all things, Romans eight twenty eight. That's a new definition of go dogs, isn't it? I don't know where that came you from. I'm off script. Okay, <laughs> hello. But the stewardship of your giftedness, of who you are naturally, and then the giftedness of what God has given you as a spiritual gift, when you combine those two things and learn how to speak it out of your mouth, you become a powerful tool against, against the evil. I and I promise you, you're putting on your armor of God, and that's what we're, trying, we're still learning that as we go.
3: So we would say different isn't deficient. And whether you are in high school, young and in high school, you are single or you are married, all of this is so applicable to us as children of the Most High King, we are made in his image, and we are called forth to bring our spiritual gifts, our talents, and use them for kingdom-building purposes. And so in our marriage, the goal would be to leverage our differences to make us more and more. I mean, we're not the mystery of marriage. When we leave and cleave, and he talks about leaving your mother and father and coming together as one, it's not just like this. I mean, I could divide this, but coming together like this and coming together like this means that we're combining all that God has given us, and we're putting that together to do married together as one, not losing who we are as individuals, but bringing it right along with us.
4: Yeah, I mean, we, we are different people, and at the same time, to, to recognize those differences and the giftedness and to support each other mm-hmm. to move that forward because she does all this stuff with marriage all the time. I mean, she eats it and breathes it. And I come up here, and I work for Blood Assurance, and with this many people in the room, you know, uh, you all are going first. No, the I Blood Mobile's lie. right out there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you a quick story just because I think that this emphasizes the differences in us. When we were very serious in thinking about getting married, I invited Jay to come visit my family for Thanksgiving because I knew it was really, really important that my brother and Jay get along because that I, I knew he was going to come live with us if my mom died before he did. And so I invited Jay to Thanksgiving, and I just said, hey, this is the time we're eating. He said, great. He shows up at my mom's house, and he is wearing a flannel shirt, blue jeans, and work
4: boots. I took the, I took the work boots off.
3: And I was, uh, I mean, I was mortified because I did not know that not everybody, like, dressed for the occasion. And my mom is the chi- china crystal silver dress for the occasion kind of gal. And so I'm like, I- I'm never going to hear the end of this.
4: And she just remember, that. if you marry Jethro, you get the clampets. <laughs> That's my family. I literally had buffed out a pickup truck with my father on the way, stopped up the way didn't think anything about it. So, I saw she was dressed in this long dress and it was kind of velvet. I kind of felt it once and i tell you what. Okay, <laughs> oh, well, that's a whole different story, is it? So,
3: anyway, at Thanksgiving, he pretends uh, to bend the silver and all of that. And uh, he leaves and I'm thinking, Mother, uh, here, I'm just preparing myself. My mom does not say anything. At the time, we were both youth counselors at our church. And about three weeks later, the phone rings and it is my mother and she says to me, is Jay coming for Christmas dinner? And I said, I feel certain. And the next words out of her mouth were, will he be dressed appropriately? (laughs) So I just looked at Jay and I'm like, will he be dressed appropriately? And you could see by the glimmer in his eyes that the answer to that was yes. So I told my mom, yes, I feel certain, hung up the phone, looked at him and said, if you embarrass me, I will kill you. So, he went through all these iterations of what he thought he might wear. I
4: did not. And then
3: then Christmas Day arrives and I am already at mom's house. The doorbell rings. I send mom to answer the door. She answers the door and there standing in front of her is Jay in a ginormous. Santa Claus suit, big mirror sunglasses, and and he looks at my mom and he goes, well, obviously some people know how to dress appropriately for the occasion and some don't. Now, here is why it is really important for me to tell this story, and I do love it because I have to tell you, when my father left our home, all laughter left my home. There was nothing but serious all the time, 24-7. And when Jay entered my life, laughter came back into my life. And he he loves my mom. Has He affectionately refers to her as Ethel when she gets a little too...
4: When she starts grandpa. taking control, it's like, Ethel, you're doing it again. Just, am she am I really? I card. said, oh, yeah.
3: She signs her cards, love Ethel. So they have this great relationship. And so what I love about that was... We're different. We are absolutely different. But learning to appreciate our differences and what that brings to our relationship versus saying, you're so different. Why can't you be more like me?
4: It's kind of like I'm just thankful the lights are still on because somebody paid the bill. You know, that's great. (laughs) That kind of comes in handy every once in a while.
3: (laughs) Yes. Okay, so that's the first slide. Different is not deficient. Okay? All right. Second one. Submit. Equals power and control. And we recognize we are treading in dangerous waters. However, I just, we, when you read Ephesians 5, 22 through 30. Jody, I know I'm not in the right um, version here. But this Bible is my Bible. It's all marked up. So, and it's sad. Get over it. Wives, submit. <laughs> Jay, we want to be asked back. Okay.
4: That's my point.
3: and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. And, you know, as we were talking about this, we were thinking, you know, I can't I can't think of one selfish act Jesus ever did. Or
4: prideful. I mean it was not prideful, it wasn't selfish. And I go, what if what is he ever what did he ever make us do? And who am I supposed to be submitting to?
3: And who am I supposed to be like? Right.
4: And so humility precedes a man of honor. That's a great proverb. In in Colossians three it says Therefore, as a chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues. Put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And I said, man, if we're living that through submitting to one to another, and it's not, and, and, isn't that a great crazy lie right there that submit means power and control? when i when i'm on my knees in front of god and julie's here with me tell me tell me what submission means then it's it is a act of of worship submission is an act of worship it's an act of revealing who i am before god so she can see me and you know how scary that is and why does god want and why does the evil one want to attack the family so quickly it's right there, where we were the most powerful. If we don't do these things together, that means we're not gonna have the impact for the kingdom and moving things forward in so many ways.
3: When we were talking about this, um, I said, you know, when I think about submitting one to another, uh, it feels to me like this spiritual position of love and care and protection that God is calling us to that. It's, it's not a position of dominance or control over. It's coming with all that I have and all that you have together to be
4: Christ-honoring. It's like one beggar showing another beggar where to get food and water. And maybe I know where that is a little bit quicker here and there. But, you know, there's other times that she knows certain things that I don't know. And if I think that it's a power and control... Is part of that definition. I lose the abundance. I lose what I lose is I go back to the garden where I'm pride and selfishness again instead of seeing Him. So that's that's in my opinion. Without knowing the Greek definition of submission, it really is about my surrender to God.
3: Amen. Amen. And being in a surrendered posture for the rest of our lives as we seek. To have a healthy
4: marriage I mean the, the Lord directs our steps, I think that 's in proverbs sixteen nine you know when you start thinking about where iron sharpens iron is one man sharpens another an, another with proverbs twenty seven seventeen all those things just kind of rush together, and it makes us more powerful for the kingdom, not in position how 's that
3: yeah. I think about a triangle. I mean, if you think about a triangle, and Jay's over here, I'm over here, and the Lord is here. And as we're growing closer together, we are focused on Jesus and growing closer to him. And so when I think about that, that is the most powerful thing we can do, is be strong together and focused on the Lord. The next one is, you should just
4: know. I've been no, in this work. You, you hear me on these guys, you know. <laughs> you should just know that. Hey, I've been in this
3: work for almost forty years, and if if I have heard that once, I have heard it so many times. Where uh, if you don't know what I want for my birthday, you don't really love me. Because if you if you love me, you would know. Or if
4: you don't know what my love language is, we've gone to meddling right now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But I'm going to tell you, I mean, this is the joy of the mystery of coming together in marriage. God didn't design us just, just to be exactly alike. He, is, he designed us differently, and he definitely, I don't know, a single solitary soul that can read their spouse's mind.
4: And, no and, it, yeah, and I mean, even in the New Testament, I think the word mystery is in there seven times. Mm-hmm. So maybe when you go outside and look at the stars tonight and remember who created those things and... You see all these unbelievable things, that mystery. But the closest thing that we're going to see in this world is right here, how God really loves us. And as she said, that, that oneness, that ikad the Greek word, the ikad where unity is so, so connected in everything that we do. I just pray that, you know, I'm not trying to say that the disciples said, Jesus, you know, uh, can you read my mind? Jesus never said to the disciples, can you read my mind? I mean, never. But he, the disciples did say, teach us to pray. There was something about that example that was so powerful. And somebody came, comes back and they're renewed, they're refreshed, and everybody else is kind of dragging. Teach us. You know, what, what is it that we need to be open to versus saying, you should just know.
3: Yeah, yeah I would say unspoken expectations and just the lack of, of coming together and having conversation um, you know you think well we're on the same page, we're in the same household, but if you are not intentional about having conversation daily, I mean on average, I, I love my work because I get to be rooted in biblical truth and I get the opportunity to look at credible research. And when you look at credible research, it lines right up with truth. And one of the things that we're super clear about is that you can't just go doing life as a couple, doing all the things you do in your home and at work and at church even with your kids and not be intentional about communicating with each other and expect to have a strong, healthy marriage. And on average... Couples communicate about their relationship between 17 and 20 minutes a
4: week. A week. Well, that's almost three minutes a day. I mean,
3: (laughs) you can't build a healthy relationship like that. And so we want to encourage you to think about, like, what's intentionality look like for you in terms of communicating, what's the condition of my heart today? What do I need prayer for? How can we come alongside each other and love each other well? That's what I hear couples say all the time. I want to be able to communicate on a deep level with my spouse. I want them to know what my dreams are, what I'm afraid of, how to pray for me, how to love me well. I want my spouse to know I feel cherished. This is, this is what makes me feel cherished. That doesn't happen by, by seeking to read anybody's mind because you can't. Or by just hoping it will happen. You have to be intentional about doing that. So.
4: Let's roll. We got to get them out of here.
3: All right. The next one is My Spouse Completes Me. Mm Hmm. If you, well, if you know the movie Jerry Maguire, you know that he. uh, That line is in
1: there.
4: There's a three minute clip on that on YouTube. And it's done a little bit better than You Complete Me, but it's just so cliche and it is not what God says when he's you think about this a man's heart plans his way but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure now you're talking about completion that's a whole package right there and so from that how does the Holy Spirit come in to this marriage and complete us together where we may have two two we may have two ministries in the same house going out and doing, and then every once in a while Julie and I gets, we connect and get to do something like this, but it 's really unbelievable to see the abundance that he is giving us yes. when we lean into him yes yes
3: and so I think that it 's interesting the culture has brought us to this place where your spouse is supposed to be your everything, your best friend, your lover, your confidant all in all. And I mean, I am going to disappoint Jay. I can 100% tell you that because I'm a human being. I am a sinner saved by grace. And so if we're looking to anybody but the Lord to complete us, we're going to be disappointed. So this relationship here is absolutely vital in order for me to do this relationship well. And I think the other aspect of that that is really important for us to remember is that We're not meant to do marriage in isolation. I know that this is not true in this church. But I have been in plenty of places where a couple or a family will fight all the way to church. They pull in the parking lot at church, and the word comes out of somebody's mouth. All right, get your smiles on and behave. They get out of the church, walk in, get out of the car, get into the church, and they're like, hey! How's it going? So good. Right? And you're dying on the inside. You're so stinking mad. You're like, I don't even know I'm going to do worship today because my heart is not right. But we don't tell. We don't tell the people, the body of Christ. We don't tell. Because what would they think of us? Well, what if? What if we just all understood? You know what? We're all wrecked, y'all. None of us are perfect. I mean, two weeks ago, Jay and I were getting in the car to go visit Ashley.
4: And it was not pretty. It wasn't pretty.
3: <laughs> and I'm telling you, I didn't talk for the first hour and a half because I knew that he would know that if I didn't talk, because I always talk, if I didn't talk, he'd know I was really mad.
4: And I was sitting there listening to music, just having a big time, going, it's kind of nice. <laughs>
3: Anyway, I just, you know, I think that that is such a huge
4: Do you want to tell life. them why?
3: It is destructive. No. <laughs> it is destructive. And we can tell the story later. But here's what, here's what I want For a here. price. Um, I, I think we had a big-time wake-up call for us um, when we had been married eight years. And Jay came into the house. Uh, and he said, I had the worst headache I've ever had in my whole entire life. And at that time, both of us worked in healthcare. And I said to him, let's get some ibuprofen, you need to go to bed. And he goes to bed, gets up the next day, and he is no better. I take him to the ER. The doctor looks at him, comes out. He's done a CAT scan, and he says, man, your husband has a lot of fluid on his brain. Could you all have been exposed to meningitis? And I said, totally possible, because both of us work in healthcare. And he said, well, I'm thinking about doing a spinal tap, but I want to go look at a few other things. I will come out and talk with you in a bit. He comes out 30 minutes later, and he says, I am not going to do the spinal tap, but you must get him in to have an MRI right away. So I take him home, and I schedule the MRI. We go and have that done, and a friend of mine does it. And so I said to her, what what do you think? And she said, well, there's something there. And I said, are we talking
4: medication? Surprisingly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Are we talking medication? And um, she said, I don't think so, but you need to talk to the doctor. Take Jay back home. And by Tuesday morning, he's not walking. So I called the neurologist's office and I said, okay, we have to get in to see you because he can't walk. This is not good. I get into the neurologist's office and he reads the film. And he says, well, I can totally understand. Why your husband feels like his head is about to explode, because it is. Uh, Because where the third ventricle is in your brain, which is where these two lines intersect, that's where the spinal fluid flows out of your brain. And he's got a tumor-like thing lodged in there. And so the spinal fluid is just, it's dammed up in his brain, and his head is about to explode. So we need to get him to the hospital. He's going to be a direct admitant the Neurosurgical Intensive Care Unit, and he needs to have surgery right away. Then he looked at me, and he said, uh, did the doctor say anything to you about doing a spinal tap? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you need to be very thankful he did not do that because he would have killed your husband instantly. Hello. So I get him in the car, and we are driving to the hospital, and he, he is not in good shape. And I am having a conversation with the Lord. And I'm like, what is happening? Like 48 hours ago, we were full speed ahead. And now we have come to this screeching halt. We have a four-year-old. There were just all kinds of things going on. And now all of a sudden, I'm being told he's going to have surgery. He may or may not remember you. He might have to have all of these things based on whether or not we can just go in there and take it out. So I am not doing well to say the least. I get him situated, I go home, I come back, he's laying on a gurney in a really cold room because there is no place for him in the intensive care, uh, neurosurgical intensive care. So he can tell that I'm not doing really well. And when I come in, he can't talk very loudly so he grabs my shirt and pulls me down to where he is. So I am face to face with him.
4: And I said, "We have we are leaning on Scripture. We know that God's got this thing. I don't understand all this, but I said, I have, in about 1987.' So we're talking about ten years prior to that I learned that second, you know, second. No, I learned something now. Second Philippians." He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and let the peace of God which transcends all understanding protect your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I said, we will lean on that during this time. Because literally, if the the tumor had had, whether it was benign or malignant, if it had any kind of runners in it, within a year's time, I'm gone. And about 10 out of 11 of those type tumors insist have runners.
3: So we pray and I go home. And the next morning I come back to the hospital with my mother-in-law and we walk into the neurosurgical intensive care waiting area and it is packed with people. And my mother-in-law turns to me and says, do you know these people? And I said, yes. There's people from the Walk to Emmaus. There's people from our church. There's people from Jay's small group. There's people from my small group. There's people from Christian Businessmen's Committee. And I said, they're just all here to pray for us.
4: And if you had come and seen me 10 years, if this had happened 10 years prior, my mother would have been there and maybe one other person from work. So what I'm saying is something happened to me at age 11. But at age 28, when I finally heard somebody really say, somebody dies in your place, and I said, I know that, but I don't know what to do with it. And then I was discipled yes. for two solid years yes. and, and literally they said there's 75 people or so in the waiting room at 5 o'clock in the morning praying for me. And I don't know who they are today. All of them. I know some of them, but yes. I think you were there. <laughs> but, you know, the Dixie Chicks, when they they found the Dixie Chicks in my brain and they said they were singing Wide Open Spaces when they got there. <laughs> you know? And those were one day after the surgery. There were people coming in and saying things like that because they knew that they got the total tumor, was cyst, was completely encapsulated. So here I am today, almost 27 years.
3: So here's the takeaways for us. You know, there were things like not folding towels correctly.
1: Or
4: oh, imagine that. You know,
3: all the things. And, and at that moment, I just realized I could care less about any of those things if he just gets to fold towels again, if he just, you know, is there with us. I could care less. So... I think about for us, when the Lord says, leave and cleave, I want you guys to figure out how to do life well together and not step on each other's toes all the time, I think that part of that is um, not doing marriage in isolation, but bringing people into your world who are truth tellers, who will speak truth to you even in the hardest moments, who will walk with you during the challenging times, who will not think less of you because you're not perfect, because everybody already knows. You're not, they're not. Um, so I just think that's the evil one's way of keeping us is- isolated. Oh my goodness, if they knew, if they just knew, they you know would walk away from us as friends. No, that's not what the body of Christ is called to do. We are called to come alongside and lift up in prayer and speak truth over life on life. That's what we're called to. So that also means that instead of looking here to complete me, I'm looking here and I'm seeking to be the healthiest version of me. Which means that all my abandonment ones, they're not Jay's responsibility. They're mine.
4: And me being confused. I mean, I never saw mom and dad. I never saw anything healthy. And so she brings this to the table. I bring it to the table. So she's abandoned, I'm confused, and point not that a wonderful we combination? <laughs>
3: yeah, so so we, we are on this road of constantly paying attention to, how am I doing? Am I the healthiest version of me? Are there things that I need to work on all the time? And I'm also praying for and encouraging him. And I'm not looking to him to complete me. I'm looking to be able to do life locked with him in
4: lockstep for for the abundance which is him yes it's him it's not out there that's pretty good sometimes isn't it but it's not the abundance it's all that's going to go away culture is deceitful all we can say is right here in how we work with you all to make an impact for the kingdom through our marriage is absolutely a beautiful thing yes the next one
3: is the best way to handle differences is to go along to get along. And um, I just think it's a great reminder that nobody's perfect except Jesus. And when we are not willing to think about how to have hard conversations, uh, we miss out truly on the abundance. Um, It it robs us of the joy of being able to do hard things. Things together and get on the other side of that and go. We did that together
4: with you, but never do that with her after nine o'clock at night. Oh my gosh! But that's, but
3: that's it. Ain't going to be a good thing. <laughs> no, it's knowing your relationship, you know, but
4: but it is about appropriateness. It is about understanding. And so when she comes at me and she's really hot and I don't, even, she's at a ten and I'm at a one. I'm going. Uh, let me get back with you on that give me 30 minutes to try to catch up. Don't, she is an, she's like this extroverted thinker. So it comes through and, and it comes out and I'm an extroverted feeler. So she says it and I am going, huh.
1: What do I think about that?
4: Huh. So give me a few minutes to catch up. And so when you do that, it can be really good. But at the same time, we have learned how to do that uh, as compared to, go at it for seven years over the same subject, not that we ever did do that.
3: <laughs> on the journey, remember we're on the journey. Uh, here, here are the things that, I mean we could spend the whole time just talking about this, but here are the things that I think are really important for us to remember. Um, when we think about uh, Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So I think about, right. okay, is what I'm about to say going to build Jay up or tear him down? Uh, And if it's going to tear him down, I need to go take a walk. I need to go time myself out to think through what is it that's really going on here? What's happening inside of me? And how can I have a conversation with Jay that's helpful? And we've all read the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And what I really think that means, and I've spent a lot of time looking at that, Um, it doesn't mean that you can't go to bed angry. What it does mean is if my heart is resentful and bitter towards him, that I need to say to him, I'm frustrated. I, this thing that's going on between us, it is real. I believe in us. I love you. And I am confident we are going to figure out how to handle this thing. But it's after nine o'clock, and there are some things. After nine o'clock happens in our house.
4: There, there are some things that you can't fix overnight, and so, but if you forget about it and you don't engage in that and don't have some sort of plan to come back and and really go, I want to be part of the solution with you. What, what can we do? Yes, as frustrating and as hard as it might be.
3: Yes, yes. So uh, focus on what really matters. And making sure that you're having conversations on the regular. And we're gonna combine the last three because I think they all really go together well.
4: And if y'all like to add some to it, you know we're open to but this these are just things that we were thinking of. And they happen all and, time. and whatever that is in your life right now, just think. Yeah. It's a great way to have a conversation.
3: So the the last ones are that when children come along, they're your first priority. And I know there's some young folks in the room, and I don't want to burst your bubble. But uh, marriages that are child-centered are the ones that are most at risk for distress. The greatest gift you can give your children is for you to take really good care of your marriage. And I want you to think about it like this. When you are healthy and thriving in your marriage, I do not care. And you can ask your children. They'll tell you this, I feel certain. You can hide everything behind closed doors. You can have your intense conversations behind closed doors, and I assure you, your children know that you're not doing well. Because you can just tell. You can read you like a book. And so, when your marriage is healthy and thriving, it's like taking this big, comfy blanket that's soft, and warm, and wrapping your family up in it. It is, how they're, it is how your children like. just know, oh, it's safe. It's safe to fail here. It's safe to be me here. Because my parents are doing well, and they love me. So focus on your marriage first, and your children second. And if you don't ever leave your children to go work on your marriage, I am giving you permission now to go do that, because your marriage... Leave and cleave. It is your first, and they're going to be gone, y'all. They're going to be gone, and then there's the empty nest, and the empty nest is really, really good. It is worth. It is worth working towards. So, they're second. Your marriage is first. <laughs> and along it is with, good. Along with that, and this, I, I am going to say this to all the women, and I, I have live this so much, it's, it is painful for me to watch, and for all you men in the room, I do want you to hear what I'm saying. Fathers are not replaceable, they are not dumb, and they are not stupid when it comes to parenting. Dads, we need you at the table every bit as much as we need moms. When I think about doing married well, I think a lot of us as moms think we're first string and dad is second string and if I leave the kids with him, he's babysitting. Dads don't babysit. Dad's parent. And they may not do it exactly like we do it. Who cares? (laughs) They are at the table parenting as God created them to parent, which looks different than mom. And so, when you are thinking about your parenting, instead of being critical of your husband, don't feed her that way, don't hold him like that, don't rough and tumble, because somebody's gonna get hurt. Hold the words, (laughs) and remember, different isn't deficient. God brought you together, male and female, and the goal is children need a mom and a dad desperately, actively engaged in their lives, actively engaged. I could give you lots more, but I'll end with this. When we do all the things that we just talked about, when we recognize all in looks like leveraging the differences, Communicating, being intentional about being connected, wholeheartedly seeking the Lord in our marriage. What do you have for us? Where do you want us to join you in your work? How can we be your hands and feet, kingdom building purposes, the parents that you're calling us to be? When we are doing all of that, marriage looks exhilarating and exciting, Holy Spirit filled, full of energy, not boring. Which is what the culture is telling us now. Marriage is boring. Marriage is old school. You don't need marriage.
4: It it may be predictable in a lot of ways, but that common bond, the the day in, day and day out, things that we do together, they're really cool. And when God's in the middle of it, and you find yourself doing something so disproportional to who you are, and God blesses that, that's his hand showing up and going, it's me. And if you want that in your marriage, that's that abundance we're talking And if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, there's, there's resources. There's all sorts of people. There's things to, there's, there's communication. There's the body to lean into. Yes. And that isolation, if you, yes. you know, move with it. Yes. We want to we grow with you.
3: This past week at WindShape, we brought in um, marriage experts from across the country to pour into them and just to fellowship. And one of the things that we talked about is that we unequivocally agreed that marriage, saying I do, best decision ever. Best decision I ever made. So we just want to challenge you that if you feel like you're not in a great place right now, that's today, and every day is a new day. Seek the face of the Lord. Let Him guide you and seek to be about what he has called you to in your married life. Thanks.
2: Thank you guys so much. I tell you, we've done a lot of life with them together, and now I understand what's going up in Jay's head there. Um, (laughs) Took me a while, but I want to be like Jay when I I grow up, Uh, I really do. Um, but such good advice, I tell you what, these two folks have such a heart um, for each other and for marriage, and it shows, and I just think uh, you got some really, really good advice today. Um, so I hope you take that to heart. A couple things before we go, I want to remind you about giving, and I think Pastor Steven talked about that uh, after we worship. that uh, we're going to do our Thanksgiving and our Christmas meals again for the first responders. That money comes out of our outreach budget, so when you guys give each week, That's supplying funds to do that this year. So we're going to do that again this year. It's a tradition that we do. I also want to remind you that our prayer partners will be up here after service. Um, If you need somebody to pray with you as well, I want to remind you, catch the vision is next week. Uh, There's a slide up there. You can um, uh, scan that or you can get one of the cards, talk to the information center out here, sign up online. But that's where we talk to you a little bit about what Cornerstone's about. And more importantly, how you can be a part of it. That's your gifts, those guys are talking about gifts that they brought in to the marriage. Gifts that you guys bring into the body here. Each one of you have different gifts. And we really want to see those utilized in the body. So if you want to be a part of that, come there. I think before we leave today, we'll pray for Terry and Theta. Coming up, Jody. Terry and Theta, you guys want to come up? Um, Terry and Theta Shank, they're leaving uh, for a mission trip next Saturday over to Egypt. And I think there was some... Uh, Concerned uh, with everything that's going on in the Middle East, whether that was even going to go on or not. So, um, they're going, they're on, but we want to pray for them as they're going. So I'm going to let Pastor you to know, pay for them.
0: So yep, so been praying for you guys. So in case you guys wondering if you see what's all in the news, um, you know, lots of stuff that you've seen. You can form your own opinion from all that. But these guys are led of the Holy Spirit, and they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But how you know, uh, with the Lord's with you, you can go through anything. You can do whatever. And I just believe God's got a great plan for something. Just like they've been a part of marriage ministries up in WinShape for over 20-plus years. And the investment that they have, the time you can spend with them just in five minutes, is so valuable to you if you are married. And any other wisdom, too, but I mean particularly in marriages. And I just believe whatever you're going for, that the Holy Spirit's going to use you in a mighty way over there. I don't know what it is exactly, but I just believe God has a reason for you being there. Whatever it is, <clears throat> there are people that are going to grow and be strengthened by your walk. And so, would you guys just uh, maybe stand to your feet this morning and stretch your hands out this way as we pray for them before they leave um, into into Egypt? And so, just, just stretch stretch hands out this way and just pray as I pray, Father in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for our dear friends, uh, Lord, elders in our church, God, uh, an example of a life that um, has shown us how God in marriage to to walk. And God, there's so much, Lord, I just think about uh, in the scriptures where there's deep wells and uh, a man of understanding will draw him out. So Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that in these deep wells of of both of these individuals that Terry and theta both as they speak, I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, with the people there, would they hear the wisdom? God, would they hear the spirit of the Lord as they speak and as they teach and as they share? And, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the impartation of wisdom from your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the words to speak. I thank you that, God, you put so much in them, God, that they won't even have to prepare much. It just just comes out so naturally and so easily, Lord, from your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that as they're there, God, we just lift up um, uh, to you this need, God, this request. Um, Lord, that as they worship you here, they worship you there, and they also worship you here when they return. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over them. Every trip, every bus ride, every plane ticket that is made and every flight that is made. In Jesus' name, I thank you for um, not just security, God, but many times on these trips, Lord, you know um, the things that make it go easy, Lord, the smoothness of a trip like this. God, thank you for luggage that arrives on time. Lord, that they don't lack anything, God, but they have what they need. And I thank you for good translators, God, through those who can interpret well, can hear and explain what they're saying. And I thank you, Lord, for your, for your divine protection over them. I thank you, Lord, that God, even in a place right now where so many are calling it so dark, I, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that your light is going to shine brightly over there because Terry and Theta are going and many other believers, Lord, that your glorious gospel will be evident to all, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that many in Egypt will hear your name and hear of your words. And, God, will be drawn to you in a mighty, mighty way, Lord. It will be felt for many years to come. God, we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Oh, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much. Man, we want to lift up and pray for people to travel. This is international. It's no joke. Uh, if you've ever done international travel, um, listen, man, uh, as important as it is to be safe and secure, yes. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever had your luggage not arrive, Um, let me just say something it's not like going okay I know Alabama's different okay Georgia Alabama you're close but you know you might go next to the state over all right you might find a store to buy some things you need Uh, but if you're overseas you may not find what you really want that you need sometimes it just doesn't have what you're used to so um, it's an important thing and so anyway are you closing out Stephen or am I I am. Hey, I just want to say one thing. So my wife looked over and everybody looked over when uh, Steve has got with the teenagers. What you you just might have forgotten there's something going on with the kids day called Candy Palooza. Yeah, so they were taking all those guys over there and they all serve. And so thankful for these teenagers that are in our church that serve. They, they serve in kids' ministry all the time, but they serve today too. And so if your kid leaves today, I just want to say before you leave, don't get frustrated because they have two sackfuls of candy and it's falling out of their pockets. It's, who cares? It's one day. Don't get mad at them. Don't be like, I can't believe the church. T-. You, it doesn't matter. It's one day. Let them live it up. Let them eat it. And I'll tell you a trick. If you're a young parent, you're like, why would you give my preschooler so much candy? I learned a trick. That lie, there's a lie. huh? The things that we believe is false. Sugar will make your kids hyper if you only give them a little bit. If you let them indulge, and overindulge, they will go into a sugar coma. It's a nap today, baby. I'm just, let them eat it. By the time you get home, oh, just like this. <laughs> and so anyway, I'm just, just a piece of advice, okay? So before you go, hey, man, listen, I just want to pray over you guys. I just want to, before you leave here, if, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I just want to pray over you and then I'll speak the numbers blessing of you before you go. But if you're just here, just, I just felt like just praying this one thing. If you're here and you don't know Christ... I don't want you to leave it without this opportunity. But um, just want to pray for you. And then our prayer team, if you guys want to come down front as I do this, it would be great. Um, just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here and you say, hey, man, Pastor, I, would you pray with me about this in, in the area of salvation? Um, there may be a lie that you're believing right now that the enemy has told you that you're not worthy or that God doesn't love you. I'm just telling you, that's a lie. Jesus died for you. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. The whole church will pray with you right now. But just pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I come today, and I give you my heart, and I give you my life, and I ask you, Jesus, to save me, and to forgive me of all unrighteousness. I thank you for saving me, and making me one of your children. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. If you prayed a prayer, I was so proud of you, right, church? Give me a hand, would you? fantastic. Fantastic. If you prayed that prayer, there's a little thing right there you can scan or in the seat back in front of you, you can let us know. Um, we would really love to help you, as Jay was saying, disciple you and help you walk with Christ. It's really important that you know a little more about Jesus and what and who he is and how to grow as a Christian. Uh, we'd love to help you with that. So if you take the time to do that, fill it out or the seat back in front of you, you can drop it off in the offering boxes, you know, and, and we'll get it. We'll, we'll follow up with you. We'll call you. And, and help you get started walking with Christ, okay? So before you leave, let's put the number of blessing up on the screen. Um, as they were saying uh, this about, you know, in teaching about marriage, I just, we we speak this over you, like, every week, I know, but I would encourage you to speak this out over your own family right here. As he was saying, or as, um, uh, Julian, thank you for saying about dads. Like, seriously, and I don't want to speak, preach right now, but that is just, fellas, if you're in the room right now, that was gold. I know, ladies, you're speaking to you too, but, like, guys, It's true. You're not the little comedic buffoon on TV. That is not who you are. And so when you speak this, don't let her just speak it right now. I want you to speak it out loud as well with me and declare this over your family right now. Okay, all together now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and may He give you His peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you. If you need prayer, come down front. We'll see you next week. God bless. You're dismissed. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and
1: share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.